I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's a big day. It's Jen's 42nd birthday. Fuck you. It's 36 and we're in the creep dive cave. Creep cave. Woo. Sarah, so Cassie and Harry. And Harry. We've Thank Harry you. thanked this. So Harry and Sarah went to decor and bought some props like this vintage phone. <laughs> Sarah sourced the head in the bag. And Sophie the made this. And everything. Really all I did was pay for it. It's amazing. Well done, everybody. And like, it's my birthday. Yay! What better way to celebrate your birthday than this excessively warm, creepy cave? <laughs> but I was saying, I, so moist. I know. So moist. So sweaty. Is my pile of crap being uh, captured on camera? No. Excellent. <laughs> what on earth could be down there that she keeps foostering in? Two of her children <laughs> stuffed into a backpack. Just in a mechanical mommy, just cuddling there. <laughs> Chicken wire monkey mummies. It's it, guys. It's a thousand degrees, but I vowed not to eat and I'm sticking to it. That's I, a good I tactic. Saying, I listened back to the other thing. Oh, just on records. camera or not not to eat on mic. And I was like, that's terrible. <laughs> it's I didn't realize it is an assault. Mm. <laughs> on the senses, indeed. And all I want to do right now is, is make that noise with my mouth. Chow into some to, holiday paste. I know. And also, Helen. <laughs> She nutted all over us. I don't know who Helen is. Is Helen the one who said she was sending things by registered post? Yes. So ah, Helen was like, here, just get my package. And She's I said, classy, no. Helen. Sorry, I also have to thank Sonia for sending me a star bar, one singular star bar in the post <laughs> due to Sonia. a mix up and a thank you note. And I ate the star bar as soon as it arrived. Did I forgot you? to take a picture and be like, thank you for my gift. Deep throated that star bar. Oh, it was <laughs> fucking delicious. Nothing better than a star bar coming in your mailbox. <laughs> coming. I was thought mm. something else was okay. Uh, oh, I was talking to my mum uh, last night about uh, some bit in Unfiltered. This isn't just a shameless plug in my book that's currently available in shops now. Um, and uh, she described like jizzing as coming off. Have you ever heard that no. phrase? She said there's some bit, as you know, as patrons know, there's a bit in the book where somebody like jizzes into a GAA jersey that belongs to a child. It's dark. Very. And my mum was like, what about that bit with your man coming off in the jersey? I've never heard coming off. 
I think she's just having like you know when you if you don't use it you lose it <laughs> with, with the sort of coming lingo. Yeah, yeah. It's been so long. She's she's melding. That kind is of, an indictment of her life. I don't know. Maybe she, maybe people are coming just, off all over the place nearby. I'm trying to work out what two phrases she's melded together. Coming, obviously. coming, and. Getting jerking, jerking off. off. Yeah. yeah. That's what's happened. I like coming off. Like if anyone is kind of like. DM. <laughs> older from maybe Munster or, you know, kind of that that direction. Let, let us know. Is coming off a thing down in the Rebel County? Are the Rebels coming off? Um, I have a happy birthday. To me. To it's Jen. my fucking birthday. Is someone else trying <laughs> to get in to on my birthday shit? I prioritise somebody ahead of you there, which was um, outrageous of me. Um... Happy birthday to Jen. Oh, thank you. Like, mm-hmm. keeping us in creeps, week in, week out. We love you. Oh, thank you. We really do. Yeah. This room is proof. Mm-hmm. This is all the for love you. for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it just so happened it was delivered on my birthday, though. Yeah. How good is that? The sweat in here is unbelievable. On the camera now, are we just glowing just orbs? <laughs> okay. Oh, good. I'm just getting up. Do you need me to powder myself down? Name. Fucking, here we go. Here's another birthday person while we're waiting. Now, Denise, happy birthday from your gorgeous husband, Matthew, who sent in a message. Who wants to listen to this? (laughs) It's so perfect. Maybe Denise. Denise and Matthew. (laughs) Yeah, maybe the people who've kindly paid their patronage and requested just a simple happy birthday. And very generously pre-ordered unfiltered. It's my my fucking birthday. (laughs) Your copy's in the post, lads. Happy birthday, Denise. Here's another Have one. Have a better one than Jen. From Daisy. Uh, happy birthday, my wonderful housemate, Daisy Gaffney. <gasps> ah, oh, happy that name's birthday. familiar. That's um, lovely. She was the gal who got the orb photo in front of the door in Hen- Henrietta Street. Oh, Remember yes. we did that live last, was that last Halloween? Do you think yeah. this Halloween will get a, will actually be able to do a show? I think so. Yeah, maybe. Well, even if they're small, we can go back to 50 people. Oh, no, is it inside with the social distancing thing? Oh, we could do an outdoor show at the Hellfire Club. You know what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think she though, said it. Is it not so Are of we going to do um, the queef dive at the Hellfire Club? <laughs> That's too far. <laughs> going to smoke a whole Johnny Blue <laughs> out um, of my. I'm going to do a salpadine, as you know, into your vulva. Mm. Mm. It might slightly it's... contravene my sober life. I'll have to check that actually. Just Toadie. a single salp. Yeah, single mm. salp might uh, ruin my sobriety. You could snort <laughs> it into your nose. Still same thing. Same thing. <laughs> it's still into the body. It's still it's in that body, right. providing an aesthetic. You could sit beside a glass of it fizzing yes. and then just, you know, you and might like... get a micro hit in the air around <laughs> it. <laughs> The you badge could, kind of could just kind of be hotboxed. Yes, you could. You could sit, you could squat I'm being above. hotboxed right now. Yeah, squatting above yeah, it. Yeah, I, I don't know if all this fabric on the walls was a good <laughs> idea. It's <laughs> day in Ireland. But uh, it's, it, well, like it's foam coated in fabric. Yeah, in yeah. an attic with all the windows closed. <laughs> on a 30 doors. degree day. Beautiful. Here we all are together. Now, Has anyone been able to single out a creep of the week this week? Uh, there's loads there's loads have come to mind but I feel then I watched a video about litigation and slander what? and those things fucking three years into your podcasting journey you decided to watch well, I a video like about slander it was sort of safe to just you know slander in a sort of jovial way but now th- that's sort of uh, so many creeps 
have been suing unleashed yeah mm. there's sort of there's a trend now for okay so we just say creeps of the week so we can't be general or just men <laughs> men but specifically in a particular industry and there is there's been a, a fair, <laughs> there's been a fair Bash. a bit of uh backlash about a famous irish music creep Mm. Mm. A few of them. <laughs> Look at us going. He mm. or she will re- remain nameless. Yeah. I mean, it's fa- it's fairly. Gr- it you know it's not surprising maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Um. Some of them. Yeah. No. Not surprising really. I just. It's just. It's just shite all around, isn't it? It's just trust nobody. Yeah. Steer clear of men. Mm. All, yeah. I don't know. It's bad, isn't it? The the and the comedian world. I don't know. I haven't been in it I don't know I didn't know half the people that people were commenting on and then I went in to look and I sort of dipped my head into a whole scene and I was like fuck me and now mm. that we're we'll be tor- we're sort of involved in that now I guess as three females in Ireland we'll, we'll, if we're I'd say they might resent touring <laughs> around that. again <laughs> but we have we have I been, feel like podcasts are to stand up comedians what they are to everyone, in fact. <laughs> like, that? as in, like, we're just the lowest rung. Like, you know, the Don't way, be ridiculous. Like, broadcasters, oh you know. They hate are, us. They hate us. Stand-up <laughs> comedians hate us. It's like... Uh, should... The public loves us. That's <laughs> all that matters. <laughs> um, there, I have a kind of a more lightweight creep. I mean, it's not really even that much of a creep. But, um, and it's from a while ago, but I just searched my creep inbox and there's just so much stuff. But do you remember a while ago, you were talking about stuff written on walls, Jen. Yeah. Mm. And I got a good one for you. Um, so it's a tweet by somebody whose username is just face. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay, so it says, wow, the headline was intriguing, but the payoff was beyond my wildest expectations. The headline being, woman finds decades old message hidden behind her wallpaper. And guys, that message was, if you ever need to wallpaper this room again, it will take eight rolls of wallpaper. I bought just six rolls at £17 per roll on the 5th of December 97. Didn't have enough. It really pissed me off. Dated Absolutely. January 21st of December 97. Incredibly helpful. That is Incredibly a fantastic message. Helpful. Yeah. Now, this thread led to a, a quite a kind of a joyful um, other wall message. Um, added to the thread by user at Alex Mooney. No, Alex Money. Um, <laughs> essential to get that right. Um, they've responded, we're remodeling our bathroom and our contractor just sent us this and includes a photograph of a lovely young, uh, it looks like Asian American couple. And beneath that, there's a little picture of a lovely rabbit. And there is, um, they are glued to the wall these two photographs and there is a speech bubble um, coming from the couple. Hi, we're the Shinsukis. We remodeled this bathroom summer 1995. If you're reading this, that means you're remodeling the bathroom again. What's wrong with what we did? (laughs) (laughs) And then below speech bubble from the bunny. Hey, I'm the bunny rabbit. I lived here too. I'm potty trained. (laughs) Bizarre. Uh, Bizarre people. It's the people that personality I'm type are so people... enjoying the fact that that couple glued their photograph to the bathroom wall underneath the, the wallpaper I, that is genius 100% weird people I can't get on board with people who make a joke like that knowing they won't be around 
to see, to a, see, lot. see a lot. Now that the internet's here, though, they will fucking probably, that'll come back to them. Well, now we're all just, um, yeah, like I suppose now we're just doing things for internet posterity, pretty much. I actually I actually think I live the opposite way. I think I do things and try not to make it onto the internet Of course now. you do. <laughs> you <laughs> audio media producer, Except Cassie for Delaney. This, but in my general life, like I don't say things publicly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's best to just not get involved. Yeah. Or just say the wrong thing over and over again, like me, and then be the person that, no that one people just eye go. roll at. <laughs> oh, what did she do now? I had another, um, oh yeah, I had an incident of somebody doing a joke that may never have been discovered, but I did discover the joke. And it was um, years ago, Seb and I went to London for a weekend and we'd been given the friend of a friend. You know the way you get a friend of a friend to stay with? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, this friend of a friend was called Mad Dog. He was Australian. We never <laughs> learned his real name. Remember this. And um, Mad Dog uh, lived in Clapham and he was letting us stay on his sofa bed. And we were like, ace, thanks, Mad Dog. And uh, I mean, we actually ended up having one of the worst and most problematic lives of our nights of our life that I won't get into. For reasons of, uh, you know, legality, uh, cancellation, prevention. Um, but uh, we got to his house, right? And he let us settle in in the living room where we were um, to sleep. And I spotted a little to do list oh. on the uh, table. And uh, it was Mad Dog's to do list. And it was very, you know, it's the usual kind of life bureaucracy kind of stuff that you'd be dealing with go to bank, post office. Get passport photos, get smashed. Nice. Had I'm made it onto the to do list. <laughs> Maybe this is a little reward for going so to the post office. So then I added to the to do list eat family and self. <laughs> and that's the end of that. And, that, and then I never, never saw got... his reaction. He never saw my reaction. I presume that we remember each other fondly. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. The days before you got an instant kickback from everything you fucking did ever. <sighs> I know. I had like just 12 hours there of re-experiencing that time when my phone um, just crapped itself yesterday. And, and how was it? Frankly, I enjoyed it immensely. I made some banana bread. Nice. Beautiful. For a toast to toast. <laughs> Welcome back to the inaugural episode of A Toast what to Toast. What are you doing? With me, Sophie White, and two of the most reluctant Have you turned this? Ambivalent co-hosts you will ever, ever We meet. have just sweated our hearts out to create something creepy and you've just appropriated it for Toast to Toast. I am Zoe White, your toastess with the most S. Do you know what you're doing? You know what you love a podcast? My favourite murder did this week. And you were like, oh, brilliant new episode. And they fucking put another podcast episode with their, you know, that way. They're oh, like, onto their feet. Like a teaser, you know, come, come check this out. Oh, you're like, God. no, no, I fucking won't. No, yeah, I came here for the creep. I came here for the horror stories. I came here for the red velvet table. Let's talk creepy. Now, Actual bearing that in mind, I don't actually have that. Okay, let me do a quick sell on Toast to Toast and let the listeners decide. Guys. If you want a very short podcast within a podcast that's called a toast to toast and is a toast to it toast pisses Cassie here. and Jen off no end, you slide on into those DMs, you let us know, you shout, toast, I want a toast to toast. Uh, just segments, segments include favorite toppings, um, little Cassie's WhatsApp messages from listeners. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. And most important of all, segment called post toast, oh. which is. <laughs> okay 
And on with the show. Okay, actual creep of the week, Katie Hopkins, who is a fucking huge cunt, um, was finally, (laughs) sorry, just to say, with our new YouTube channel, you can't curse in the first like five minutes or else YouTube remove it. Okay, Katie Hopkins, creep of the wake, wake, (laughs) who is a humongous, see you next Tuesday, was finally banned from Twitter. Yes, rightly fucking so. What an incredible, horrific human being she is. So I can't, I can't load up my story, but the a footballer whose name will remain nameless because I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I can't control my bad language. Uh, he set up a feed the hungry children outside of school time kind of charity, right? So these were all kids who got fed in school. Oh yes, I saw this. And since lockdown and blah blah blah, no school, you know, offering them a free bit of grub. Uh, Katie Hopkins tweeted something along the lines of if you can't feed your kids don't have them and calling for his charity to be to end and that is just the tip of the iceberg on her toxic oh she's just been an awful person from the day she joined Twitter well probably longer before that but we've seen it a lot from her on Twitter awful and bad terrible human it couldn't be, but then now Twitter have pulled her from So She's Barred, banned. Excellent. But I mean, what happens then when she just comes on? Like, I think Gemma O'Doherty's been back under a different Twitter name. I mean, it's not like they take their computer away or yeah, yeah. internet access. I don't know. I don't know. Katie Hopkins probably wouldn't be bothered because if she starts another Twitter account, she doesn't have the same audience she had. I she just loves the attention. But, that, but then I was like, is she doing that for, you know, just is this a persona she's built? That she's kind of awful, or do you think she's awful to the core? That's the question. I think she's awful to the core, to be honest. I think it's gone. It's it's looking that way. Yeah. But that person has children and a family, and she's just how can she justify any of this to herself? It's no idea. It presumes she's like just legitimately a narcissist. Yeah, and a psychopath, I guess. I'd say that's it, and just really adamantly believes that her views are the correct ones. And she she lives, thrives on that whole like I'm just saying what everyone's thinking thing, and it probably doesn't cross her mind that everyone actually is not thinking the same thing that she's mm. thinking. Mm. Well, we can confirm that they're not. But the problem is, I I I believe that there has to be a degree of stupidity w- with that kind of. Oh yeah, yeah. Thinking, but I don't it's believe a she's lack stupid, of empathy, which makes me think it's just no. I think it's 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 a lack of empathy, like it's sociopathic tendencies. Like she is very, very judgmental of other people, whereas most people would go to empathizing and relatability and help. finding the common ground. Right. People. She's and, yeah. just my way is is the most appropriate way. I've worked hard. I've thrived. Why can't you do it? Which isn't very intelligent, really, because it's a very simplistic way of viewing the world. It's grim. So grim. Less of those people. But it's nice to have the occasional female creep of the week. That's it. Katie Hopp, it's not her first time being creep of the week, I don't think. I think she's come up, I mean, she's definitely come up once or twice over the last 18 months. Those fucking in the field photographs. She's furthering the feminist cause somewhat in terms of... Creep equality. Creep equality. I'm all here for creep equality. If there's any more female creeps, do let us know. We had her at a live last year when those YouTubers invited her to receive the... Uh, right. the c- are we really not swearing? Because of YouTube. Well, we're five minutes. We're more than five minutes. Cool. It's just... We're supposed to... Well, anyway, because of the See You Next Tuesday award that they tricked her into receiving. The campaign Done. to unify the nation. Campaign to unify the nation. Which feels the opposite of what she's... 
Oh, oh sorry. I know, but he was like <laughs> impersonating like some kind of uh, like a right su- white supremacy group from South Africa, wasn't he? Like, and so she was fully with her eyes wide open, you know, wanted she, to be among those people and receive their award. But she has a f- huge following amongst those. Mm-hmm. Um, so white supremacists, yeah, white yeah. supremacists, white supremacists in South Africa in particular. Oh, totally. Like. Um, I mean, horrendous that's her and views. bad. Fuck you, Katie Holmes. Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Katie Holmes? She's the um, woman from Dawson's Creek. <laughs> Fuck her too. Uh, she seems quite nice, really. Yeah. <laughs> Look, there's no room for nice in this world anymore. You're either a fucking hero or a villain. It's binary. Oh my god, what is the point anymore? I'm going to implode. It is too warm and too tense. Okay, oh, I have yeah. such exciting news for you guys. Thank you. What? Like, very few people die this week in my creep. Nice. Not all of them are children. Brilliant. It's, there's, there is a cannibal, but it's not disgusting. Wait till you, I kind of, I want to see if I can, okay, I'll give you these hints and you see if you can guess what I'm going to do. Okay, there's okay. a touch of cannibalism. It's a touch of cannibalism, there's death, there's um, very sadly young people in among the victims there. Uh, there is uh, lies, there is drugs, there is blood, there is Oprah, <gasps> there is... There's no way this got it, got past me. I must know this. I know everything about Oprah. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? I'm there's, not getting it there's yet. cancer, not fake. Real cancer. It's the guy who wrote a book. I'll tell you what this no. Buzzfeed headline is. We've done him. We have, actually. Okay, you ready for the Buzzline headline? Yeah. I think it's one of my faves, Evs. Go on. Okay. Tour de fuck off. It's Lance. We're going to do Tour de France chat. Yeah, Not Lance specific. Because to be honest, like I'm well versed. I know him, but backwards yeah, and forwards. Yeah, too recent. There's some more like fun, funner other, you know, Jason favorite. We'll chat about Lance too though, because I had so much fun going back to the Oprah interview for prep for this week's creep. What were you going to say? Lance my favorite thing about, um, my, no, my favorite thing about the Tour de France is photographs of the lads pissing while cycling. Oh my God, with just oh, yeah. the lad. Just... Just out that's right. Can you be tucked out? Coming off, as my mother would say. <laughs> Just coming off that's, in the saddle. That's my only, in, my only favorite. Uh, there's a lot on... There's so many. Because there's a particular type of personality who kind of gets into solo sports and like the extreme <laughs> of very Tour de France is a team sport. No, but you know what I'm but saying. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, those people who like do mountain runs. On their yeah. own, and yeah. I, some of them listen to this. I'm sorry for the offense, but it's just there's a lot of exercise on your own. Like, oh yeah, they go I'm, off for like hour lot, like hours, hours and, and hours, hours running well, days, in mountains. Ultra runners. Funnily enough, I'm brewing a creep, not like not out of that territory either. That inspired this creep, but I decided to do Tour de France first because it's supposed to be on now and it's been postponed now to later in the summer. Yeah, are you guys fans? Do you watch? No, um, I oh, do love the Olympics. Are, are you asking me? Do I watch people cycle? No. Yes. I no. love cycling, but I don't watch it. It's one of the 
best sporting events in terms of spectatorship. Really? Oh my God, yes. No, it's it's a high drama. I love the Olympics. Oh my God. No, 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 no. This is crazy, Cassie. You are a, you're, you know, a producer. You would appreciate the spectacle of the Tour de France. Maybe I should give all it another the go. Fucking, all the breakaways, the battles on the mountains. Before we get into all it, the is it true? doping. <laughs> oh, I do love an out-doping scandal. I'm just, I have to get this out of my head because it's in it. Is it true? Did I hear from someone maybe one of you that marathon runners you know the way like it takes people especially maybe first time marathon runners like four or five hours yeah. to run a marathon shit yourself. you shit yourself don't well, you, no, you like really try and find somewhere to shit because if like, you shit yourself people, that's no, going to chase and then you're going to be in a in the Dublin marathon that people run into gardens and shit in front gardens <laughs> yeah I think that's definitely that's definitely happened but I, but I feel so you like, get diarrhea from those gels and stuff is that it yeah no, you're just yeah. running and like I mean it's just pushing it out when it, you have to go oh, you have fuck to go yeah Okay, sure. Do you want a quick mini before we launch in? Hell yeah. So this is, should have been maybe part of the creep of the week, but TikTok, have you watched the latest TikTok? Teens find a body in a suitcase? No. Yeah, this is amazing. So we've died. Will I pause? No, no. Right, so teens found a body in a suitcase okay but uh so they did an old tiktok on it so what i thought was interesting and i think i never Wait, heard so of they this. really found a body in a suitcase oh yeah so teens find a suitcase on a beach in seattle uh, the city's police department confirmed they investigated the incident so two items of luggage were discovered with a video so they made a video during this so th- what they were doing was following <laughs> this Jesus new God. app called I don't know if it's new, Rando Nautica. Have you heard of that? No. So uh, it's an app that encourages you to kind of get out and explore your local area. So <laughs> it does this. It's a bit like, remember when... I remember Geo, uh, what was what Pokemon, was Pokemon. Is that, is that what you're thinking? No, I'm thinking of um, the geocaching. Geo, Geo- geocaching, yeah, where you have the coordinates. And it's the same to kind of concept. To even more fun. So this sends you a randomized set of coordinates and asks you to go out with a purpose in mind. So it can be something big or small, like finding something unexpected or the answer to something that's been annoying you. So uh, once you return from your trip, you're encouraged to share what you've stumbled across on the games forum. So some people have stumbled across some weird coincidences. Anyway, so this is what these teenagers were using. So they got the coordinates and they were like, let's turn this into a TikTok, blah, blah, blah. Random coordinates to like rocks, uh, to a po- like just under a bridge in Seattle, where, like rocky area. Mm-hmm. So they get down there. They're like laughing and joking on their way, v- filming the whole thing. They see a suitcase pretty much exactly at the spot that they've been directed to. They're like, this is gas. I mean, this is just random. They start poking it with sticks and uh, it was zipped closed. It was like a carry on wheelie job. It looks like there was two of them, but on the film, you can only see one. Uh, and one of them unzips it, gets her stick, flips back the lid, and it's plastic bags. <gasps> and they remark on the smell. Like, oh, the smell oh, of this no. thing. But like, is this is this, has this been proven? Yes. So during the TikTok, they I think part the next video is them poking it with sticks. Then the next video, or part of the video, is one of them calling the police, saying, "Look, we think we found something." I think they didn't like break apart the plastic bag, but the smell, they were like, this is, oh, this is something I decaying. I'm on an empty stomach here and that's not going well for me. Anyway, you're on the wrong <laughs> podcast. Uh, the, so this, anyway, they ring the police. The police arrive then and the next part of the film is the whole bridge area, chock-a-block with police. And then a police report comes out the following day or later on that day. So legitimately, they found. So the people who found the bag could be seen opening it, joking that they could have found money, but it turns out to be a body. So the video footage shows a terrifying encounter, which took place at 
let's see, Washington State on Saturday. Did I say Seattle? That's in Washington State. Uh, they only realised it was actually a dead body says, when, so the police, when the police <laughs> never said anything with confidence. Whoa. And I yeah. really don't I believe know. that to be true. <laughs> uh, they realised it was a dead body when the police posted the news online and they had been seen driving past the crime scene after. Okay, blah, blah, blah. So isn't that fucking bizarre? Madness. That is, and so is we the don't TikTok know yet. fun? Is the TikTok out in the world? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's right it. here. But I mean, I know you sent it to me. You Sarah. did. Sarah. Check, check your goddamn DMs for God's sake. <laughs> She's not doing enough. Uh, here we go. Can I play it? But you're of course that stuff. Like if you're packing up a dead body into the suitcase, you know it's going to wash up somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or how many bodies don't, I wonder. Do you reckon there's kind of a, like a... T- no, because you're there going A like, deserted island off the coast. It seems like a terrible way to do it, to you, dispose of a body. Yeah. I wouldn't go that way myself. No, but it's the same, you know, like if, you know, there's certain parts of, is it the in kind of west coast of Ireland or... The way current. The way the tides deposit things, yeah, naturally. Yeah. I bet you there's like a place that's outside of a big city, a kind of a rock or some sort of... It's called... Corpse town, you know, and it's just all of the world's corpses, of suitcases are just of bodies washing up there in labelless clothes. You know, <gasps> don't bring. And the police that. are like, I'm not gonna, I can't be arsed dealing with all that I shit today, so I'm not gonna go stuff. to Dead Body Island. So, um, that's a little one. Anyway, kick us off there, Sophs. Um, the Tour de France. The Tour de fuck off, chancers. Tour de chancers. <laughs> Should have prepared better puns. My understanding of the, of the way these people these people operate is it's just an like I see a lot of dickheads. I feel like each person is a dickhead on a bicycle. I myself am a cyclist. Yeah, and I myself am pissed off with Tour de France style cycling around me around as I'm locale. cycling around my locale. <laughs> I know I actually overheard a few cyclists like who were full like full gear and everything you know um like cycling down my, past my road and being like at the beginning of lockdown and just being like this road again and they're obviously just trying to clock the miles like and they're just going around and around that same 20k but there's some kind of and I ha- it happens to me you know what I've done when oh, I'm on a bicycle I'm not 100% insane. proud of some of the things I've done but I uh it's like the, you know, the the heart's beating. It's a very, aggra- I mean, it's a pumping high adrenaline situation. I saw Jen punch the bonnet of a car once while sit- just on a bike, leaned over. That's not, I know, I, I, that's not great. You I, I are don't advise. to cycling. Katie Hopkins is to feminism. I'm sorry. You're giving us all a bad name. You're not wrong. Um, so anyway, so Tour de France is uh, obviously uh, one of the most famous races in the world steeped in a long tradition of cheating. I um, do love cheating. And I do love the, especially the kinds of cheating that uh, the Tour de France like had in the early years. Epic from oh, my understanding. Literally just kind of like farce stuff. Like throw mama from a train kind of wacky cheating. So what's the, the, so, the so, so are they trying to, okay, the, so if you were to cheat, what you want to do is be cycling at the highest of your like fast no breaks like peak machine is that the kind of idea yeah or involve a machine would work and so the Tour de France started in 1903 right and it was basically kind of 
uh, conceived of to be at the kind of at the limits of what people could achieve on a bike. And uh, it was started by a magazine because they wanted to make money. They hadn't seen that sex bike. And uh, forever, the Tour de France has grappled with its checkered cheating history versus, but we really still want to make money. Um, So it's been kind of like a century of uh, sort of slapping the wrists of cyclists for cheating, uh, coping with the kind of uh, bad name that it's given cycling, and managing what has become just like a billion dollar event like of you know it's just one of the biggest events yeah yeah world. yeah and the staging of it is epic but you know what and the problem is every year which is totally Cheating amazing makes things Exciting. really fun because really fun. people break huge records and it's sensationalized and you know yeah. well okay so i'll tell you about some of the early cheating okay so, not, a, not a cheater by nature. Um, Me, I, I would absolutely so. cheat at board games all Get the, the time. Get the fuck out of yeah, here, Yeah, 100%. Makes them a little bit more fun. That's probably why you're an excellent cheater then. Mm. You're not an expectant. I feel like That's you, it. you project honesty. Totally. God. That's part of the talent she has. But like in cheating. Cards Against Humanity, I always take extra cards. I slightly swap them when no one's looking. Cheating at Cards Against Humanity. Che- yeah, what? Yeah, I guess people... What else is there? 30... I don't Monopoly? cheat at 30... You can cheat at 30 seconds. Not a big Monopoly fan. Really? Poker? Oh, no, I do cheat at 30 seconds sometimes. What I'll is just 30 say, seconds? You know that game where you have like five things on a card and you have 30 seconds to go through them. You've got a partner. You're like... You know, oh, you can't, you can't say what's on the card. Yeah. You just have to describe it. Yeah. yeah. I just say, yeah, when they say something that sounds legit and then put the card back in <laughs> the deck. <laughs> nobody noticed. Yeah. Okay. Nobody would suspect her. You're not a cheater, Sophs. Nope. I have too much anxiety. So, um, I, oh God, I've, where's my bloody amazing little. We distracted you. You were at the beginning of yeah. the pushing the boundaries of what people could do with bicycles. Yes, so sorry. Anyway, um, so early days cheating was great crack altogether. There was, in the very first race, the winner of the very first ever Tour de France was found to have been cheating by um, getting a car to drive just ahead of him with a long piece of string that ended in a cork <laughs> that he held that on he with his teeth. clamped onto with his teeth and just got towed up mountain sections. By his jaw. Yeah. And that they realized he was cheating when um, he made it to the finish line before some of the uh, support teams who were in cars. <laughs> <laughs> then there was the like, uh, there was a bit of a spate of people just catching trains uh, through some of the stages where they just are like shoulder the bike, hop on the train, skip the just stage. Just not giving a shite about just the, the most optics. Overt kind of just chilling cheating. with my bike. In my full cycling full gear. Full cycling gear. Nothing to see here. coincidentally while the Tour de France is on. But that <laughs> cork guy set the precedent. So that was the first Tour de France. Oh yeah. So oh, then yeah. then it had never been an honest race. Do no, you know that it's way? It's never been an honest race. Beautiful. Exactly. Um, it has just such a long history. They of... should turn it into the like Tour de Cheat and just see who can cheat the best. Well that is arguably what it became. Totally. Like that's what a lot of people would say. Um, what's totally amazing to me about it is that they hold it every single year and it shuts down vast sections of France. Beautiful. And like there has been parts of the Tour de France where there's been spectators of like half a million people in a very confined space. I went to watch it in 20, I want to say 11 or 12. uh, And I was on the Galibier, which is a big famous call in the Alps. 
to watch them cross the Galibier and like it was like Glastonbury but just on a mountain it was absolutely wild it was really cool um, okay now let's see some more fun cheating so obviously they did a lot of methamphetamines mm-hmm. and booze and booze. sniffing of ether anything to numb the pain I think gotcha. um, like was it, obviously the uh, methamphetamines was to slow the heart rate now let's get this right slow the heart rate down which gave them kind of a bigger capacity everyone is screaming at their phones like more serious cyclists get in touch guys because obviously I'm going to explain this wrong but basically it would slow the kind of abuse of this type of amphetamine slowed their heart rates down so that their hearts had like a bigger capacity for literally working the machine of their bodies up these massive calls through the sprints everything and right the cyclists of yours so this is kind of in like we're talking the kind of 20s to the 60s um, it was very obviously unregulated um, which is kind of funny to say, but doping did become extremely precise and measured and, you know, carefully done by medical professionals in latter years. Mm-hmm. But in the early years, the lads were just kind of like whacking back the uh, amphetamines willy nilly. And what started to happen to them was when the cyclists were at rest, That's say nice. at night, they um, were slipping into comas and things oh, because yeah. the heart rate was so low. Slow down. So they used to have to get up, set alarms for the middle of the night for themselves, hop up, do some like jumping jacks for so like half an die. hour to raise the heart rate to not die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a few uppers, get the downers, kick them up. Because the race, you know, took what's the I mean there's over a few days isn't it it's not just oh it's one like 23 days it's 21 stages over 23 days so there is two like rest days and some of the stages depending on whether it's on the flat or in the mountains you could be looking at 250 kilometers of a day they're in the Alps you're like crossing mountain calls and so they are these extreme roads that are just zigzagging back and forth and back and forth up these mountain calls of altitudes of like, say, about, you know, 2,500 meters, which is like about a third of or a quarter, quarter of a third of Everest. OK. Um, and like, Sorry, say, you know, so OK, so that's that many days. And then how many so in, people they could be doing team? two calls in one day. So the team aspect came about later in the tour. So like kind of in the sort of, I think around the 70s, they started doing the team thing. Um, and the team thing works whereby in a team of, say, six cyclists, they have a chosen winner. Okay. And the team basically brings that winner to the head of the pack. So most people... What I'm thinking here is, the, what's that game we used to play when we passed the baton? Relay race? Like a relay? Kind of. Well, basically, like, in cycling, it's not very... Like, you can kind of slipstream in cycling and you can be working something like 20% less hard than the person in front of you if there is a headwind, for example. Yeah. Right? So in the team, they protect the winner. So for, like, Lance's team teams he was on the the last team he was on was the discovery channel team i believe that you know he was never doing the hard grind of the day's work what they would do and can anyone be a team like could we have a creep dive team we could literally form a creep dive team we may not qualify there nowadays all the teams are sponsored like sky team this team but they are american or they are french or belgium like the french the belgians the italians they're all the fucking mega cyclists Mm. um and the british are doing pretty well 
They had a jersey a few years so ago how, with uh, Mar- Mike Froom. Who's Mark kind of nominated as the The, the winner. winner. It's literally like, you, it's the MVP. It's just like, who's the best? Who's going to get us there? And they, the teams work to bring that winner to the head of the pack on a given day's route. And like, there's a big sort of, this might be a bit, this is off creep topic, but like, you know the way there's a peloton. Have you know what a peloton is? Yeah. That's like the main um, pack of the whole race. Oh, and there right, could be right, like right. hundreds in a peloton and then they do breakaways where a team will start bringing their guy their MVP up say when they know they're coming up to like the top of a mountain stage or something they'll like usher him up so that he has like enough in the tank to then make a blast for it and like get out ahead you know drop the rest of the the peloton and like then but you're then you're cooking. Up. Is it not just relevant? Is it all in stages that it's scored? Like it's not just the first person. Yeah, yeah, the finish, yeah. Line. It's all like there's a kind of a point system, and you can win the overall tour. You can win the like the best, the king of the mountains is the people who are like nailing it in the Alps and the Pyrenees. It's a fascinating. Okay, clearly that is, no, I no, no, find no. it a fascinating sport. It but is. it's real drama because say like there's been times where like you'd be watching like. Alberto Contador was a really big uh, cyclist, uh, especially he was like a mountain specialist. Mm -hmm. And like you'd be watching him literally just going up these like inclines of like 25 degree or what do they call it? 25 percent. They're all graded and stuff. Yeah. And he's dancing on the pedals like he looks like he's just bopping on a Friday night and he's been cycling for like 10 hours previously. And he is just beasting it up this hill that it's amazing it's very impressive oh, i mean they the but EPO i mean at the same time the, uh, like, doping really there helps. comes the point where they're going down and that's just freewheeling it's just like Wee! well we could all do that yeah i mean like come on all you have to do is get up the mountain come on and you've got a cork in your mouth and a little toe Oops, like it's fucking fine Bit it's just a day out pop that cork in your gob and away you go well i was about to say on the old downhill there was um a cyclist who uh, was a big champion in the early decades very small guy and uh, he was absolutely brilliant on the flat brilliant on the climbs um, and uh, what they used to do to, for his little cheaty is that uh, they'd give him like um, water bottles at the top of a climb only they'd be full of mercury so that he'd descend faster get the fuck I out of here I swear to god so weighted he, bikes so he died oh sorry no he didn't drink it no <laughs> no Jen. No, what the fuck? No way. Did you <laughs> beep beep? Like no, just wait on his bike so he goes down really quickly. I mean, terrifying speeds. But no. that's kind of fair because then you'd have a heavier cyclist who'd zoom down. No. Yeah, but that heavier cyclist has to lug himself up as well. So you know, like it's really not great to be cheating, more or less. My um, favorite cheats is when they give when like you hear the jockeys taking drugs. It's like sure you should have given it to the, to the horse. horse. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. I don't understand how a jockey can be disqualified for for doping. I think they're trying to get as little as possible. Maybe. So maybe that's part of it. Their diet pills. Yeah. The uh. funny thing, I think, with cycling and cheating is like the like the biggest names in the whole history of cycling, like they pretty much at this point have to kind of slightly draw a line under the cheating and be like, ah, we still love them because like everyone was at it. So you basically, to erase the cheaters would be practically to erase the Tour de France. But the cheaters manage, in my understanding, to be so much better than your average man 
a well they're already at such a, a level in terms of personal fitness and then they bring their cheating um so yeah like so some of the kind of like most beloved cyclists you just have to accept that they were up to all kinds like so here's where the cannibal comes in one of the biggest cyclists in the 60s was um a guy called eddie Merckx. he was belgian like real stony faced and um like he basically like used to just kind of eat his young practically like on the course like he was just such a like a monstrously good cyclist that he became known as the cannibal which I just love because he would just eat up the competition oh completely. in a non-literal sense exactly but I just was like yeah proud to always get my cannibal reference in I just think they're still just dickheads though do you know what I'm saying oh they completely like I'd are. say that's the most unpleasant people to be around in the world these single-minded Oh, I'd say like Extreme absolutely no yeah. crack culture. Absolutely. Zero crack. The people who are eating ice before training, you know, those. No, what does that do? We had a story before of like them eating the snow to preserve their something. <laughs> to preserve their something. I'll take it. I'll take. Fine. I'm sure we've said something along those lines. No crack. But that's what puts me off. I, ex- I accept the fascination with the extremes that a human body can go to. Yeah. And the sort of ma- like magical, like when the way you described him, like dancing up oh, the hill. Oh, completely, yeah. Like unbelievable. Oh, it's so fascinating. Um, I've got some, um, so I just thought we'd but do some deaths, so right? Because there's this been some deaths. So there's no fucking women in the Tour de France. Of course not. And, and they have an equivalent for women that's just a fraction of the event. Like Sorry, are women not allowed day. in the Tour de France? No, no I don't think what? so. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like a male event in the way like it's male football, you know, that way, team and a... Yeah, and the, the woman's equivalent is just, just, it doesn't compare. Nobody's it is really irritating. It's not fucking 23 days and it's not, you know, broadcast worldwide and everything. It's the usual crack. Oh, great. Um, but we've had some deaths in the Tour de France. Uh, so, um, there's one guy who, in 1910, seven years after the tour started, um, a French racer died on a rest day. Oh. Um, I shouldn't laugh, but like he drowned on the rest day. In the pool. In the pool. In the hotel. Are you kidding me? I think it was in the sea, but yeah. Do you, you think, think that his was legs were just so tired? Do you know? Or <laughs> Might maybe have been drinking like, that mercury the day before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. such just, a good idea. Sank right down. Oh dear. Another guy, right, a Spanish racer, um, died in 1935 when he just, like, plunged off one of the calls in the Alps, Col de Galibier, which I've been on. And, uh, head, like, head he literally down, just fucked off it the off the mountain, basically. On the bike? On oh, purpose. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, on the bike. Not on purpose. Um, in 1967, this was, like, a very famous one. Uh, a British cycler called Tom uh, Simpson died on um like mid race like from his amphetamines overdose i heard about this and he was cycling up a really famous call called La- alpe d'huez um or was it von no sorry i think it was von let me double check he was cycling up mount von which is like known as one of the most fearsome um mountains on the whole trip they don't always visit the same ones all the time uh, but there'd be some now they'd never miss. And I think Von is kind of one of them. And it's supposed to be one of the absolute toughest because it just gets unbelievable wind up there and it's just fucking uh, crazy. So anyway, on what the day of his death... About, oh yeah, never mind. I'll ask you after. Um, on the day of his death, uh, it was very warm. And uh, 
like one of the journalists was chatting that morning. Uh, uh, they were just like leaving the hotels, getting ready to go to the start lot sign. And uh, one of the journalists goes, quote, if the boys stick their nose in a topette today, we could have a death on our hands. What does and that a topette was slang for a bag of drugs. Now, it's the 60s. So, you know, doping methods were still crude. Just cocaine. Just the coke. Just the amphetamines. And uh, so anyway, at the start line, a journalist did comment that this cyclist, Tom Simpson, did look a bit fucked in the heat. And um, he said, like, are you, is the heat killing you? And uh, apparently Tom Simpson uh, replied, no, it's not the heat, it's the tour. Again, they are a bit like, you know, they're a bit kind of Terminator-ish. Mm. Um, like the triathlon people. I think even saying, they're the snow eaters. They're the snow eaters. Yeah. yeah. Keep the body temperature down. Something oh, I can't okay. remember. We talked about it on a live show. Yeah, I oh know. I but gave eating it, snow sorry. is supposed to be bad for you if you're like out there dying of exposure. That's and stuff right. Because it makes your body have to expend energy trying to uh, melt it and digest it and all this kind of shit. Uh, it's only the yellow that you. <laughs> so anyway, as he was going up this climb, like he was all over the shop, like literally. He was like slugging brandy and like... Brandy! Oh yeah, they're always that, that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know how o- openly he was slugging brandy, but he was seen drinking brandy, putting brandy in his sports bottle. So just your Jesus. original Dolly mixture, basically. And near the summit... I'd have to wee all the time. <laughs> he was, um, yeah, just whip the lad over the way. That's what they do. Um, um, and so he was zigzagging all over the road and he just looked like he was kind of in bits. And um, basically he came off the bike, he fell off and his manager like tried to just say like, okay, look, come on, Tom, that's it. Your tour is finished. Call it a and, day, uh, Tom. Tom was like, no, 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 no. You know, your friend is like, I'm not ready not to go home. home. No. And they're like, taxi for Tom. And Tom's like, no. And so finally the manager's like, right, if Tom wants to go on, he goes on. And they literally like propped him up. He had fallen sideways, still clipped into the bike. I think they were clipped in in those days. Yeah. And they basically like propped him up, put him on the bike and like pushed him, sent him off. Just give him some stabilizers. And um uh, literally the last words he was supposed to have said were on 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 and they estimate that he rode a further 500 meters before he was then starting to wobble then spectators were just helping to hold him up and like that's the thing the crowds on the mountains are really close to all the riders we'll get to that fair play to the people walking up the mountains to just yeah. watch a race yeah thank you Cassie yeah. it was great fun well worth it mm. lots of uh, civilians cycle up like it's they'll cycle up the day before and camp or ah, very and good. loads of people travel around in camper vans and follow the whole tour anyway so um, uh, he was eventually uh, taken by police co- uh, he- police helicopter after he fully collapsed the second time and pronounced dead um, the official cause was heart failure caused by exhaustion but obviously there was two empty tubes uh, and one half full tube of amphetamines in his pocket of the jersey you know where mm. you keep your snacks mm. and uh, your drugs so it seems like it really might have been that a combination a comb very hot yes a very hot day to be on drugs while cycling in the Alps and um, oh wait Ventus in the Pyrenees I think oh excuse me anyway um, let's see there's so on the deaths side of things I know I was saying how the supporters are very kind of close on hand mm-hmm. um, for the tour so Back to the deaths. Tom Simpson obviously died in the 60s. Um, this other guy died in the mid-90s from just, like, he was descending at 88 kilometers an hour. So that's, like, over 50, wow. 50 miles an hour. 
descending, crashed, fucking aced out. Um, there was uh, a very unfortunate scenario with a motorcyclist who was entertaining crowds before the cyclists were due to arrive to this area where the tour was coming through. And he killed himself by crashing at high speed just during the entertainment portion of the day, oh, which Jesus. was very unfortunate. Um, there was a, 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 tw- um, a young boy uh, was killed by one of the uh, cars from the Tour de France publicity caravan. And this has actually happened a couple of times where supply vans have crashed into spectators and I mean, there was another instance in the 60s where like nine people died because of a supply van crashing into them as they were trying to um, follow along. I mean, yeah, it can be just really chaotic. It's okay. basically like a mosh pit taking mm. place on the side of a, a cycle race. And like, it's not like in the Grand Prix where like, I mean, people die watching that. But like, no, not the Grand Prix. Sorry, what am I thinking of? That one that goes through the... Uh, streets and it's the well there's an Isle of Man TT oh, Jesus. that's what I was yeah, thinking of this God, whole time yeah. when you're and that attracts these people who bring their kids and stand on these hairpin turns yeah. oh, well, it's so crazy it's, there's YouTube compilation videos of like people just in the worst fucking spots on these races it's just madness isn't in, it? uh, in 2009 um, a there's definitely one scenario where a cyclist himself rammed into a uh, into a spectator and killed him uh, so anyway, like basically, you know, spectate at your peril. So then the doping basically in more recent decades just got so bloody, uh, f- what, fucking ballsy. So if anyone did follow Lance Armstrong's fall from grace and stuff like that, like you've heard of EPO and blood transfusions, yeah, like so- where they are literally just putting new blood into their bodies so that they're like all the oxygen levels in their body are up again up and yeah 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 and like they just be inside tents like getting full body blood transfusions (laughs) literally getting yeah so it's completely sort of what drives you as a human I think what's the prize for the Tour de France? Is it just the it's mon- there's money? I mean, there's I money, but glory. I don't think the yellow it's the shirt, money because all the sponsorships where the real money's at. But you have to be winning in and order you have to... to be a winner to do it. Yeah, and um, it's just like so. It, they basically that doping has plagued the Tour forever. And um, after in 1998 it was known as the Tour of Shame because like they'd. Uh, arrested a team one of the actual cycling teams was arrested with drugs so there is drugs the drugs they use predominantly are EPO which stands for erythropoietin growth hormones like human growth hormones Mm -hmm. testosterone and amphetamines as well as then the the blood transfusion stuff it's kind of vampire like isn't it very Um, and it's that whole team was just um that kind of uh, presumably the coaches or whoever the medics are on the for the team well, the entire doping setup is like as official as a training schedule is official in, a, yeah. in these athletes' lives. Like they have well, sure, you don't medical want to kill doctors like, like overseeing the entire thing. They have like, there was loads of accusations after Lance Armstrong came out as being, um, you know, a doper. That like he bullied everyone on his team into doping as well because there's no point in your MVP being doped up to his eyeballs if the team that need to get him to the top aren't as well and so basically what just evolved was this culture where like you could either be a contender and dope or you could just basically give up on your whole dream of being a cyclist 
So it's just totally batshit bananas. I have a good little uh, fun uh, listicle of best excuses um, cyclists have given for failing a dope test. Um, so uh, there was a guy who um, he <laughs> he's tested positive for strychnine, which is a po- a poison for rodents, but in small um, doses apparently helps tired legs. And this Dutch pro rider tested positive for strychnine in 1983. And he blamed the positive result on the fact that he had just eaten a pigeon pie that had been a made pie. with his father-in-law's racing pigeons. Um, and they had been doped with the substance. So he had Love eaten that. some high pigeons. Absolutely brilliant. Hard to yeah. catch. <laughs> We have got a guy called Floyd Landis who um, said that his elevated levels of um, testosterone was uh, because of the whiskey he was drinking. Um, somebody I'm else. Testosterone whiskey is manly. Manly whiskey. <laughs> That's implied. I'm, is it? Is that what his theory was? <laughs> he didn't imply that whiskey was manlier than other drinks, but we know it is. Um, there is Alberto Contador, who is the guy who was dancing on his pedals and like. He's just such a sad one. I don't know why Condor kind of made me real sad when it came out that he was a doper. I just thought that he was the new wave of non-dopers, but he totally wasn't. Of course he wasn't. So uh, he had insisted that um, he had eaten a doped steak by accident. So it was a steak that had some kind of... um, uh, like uh, you know cycling enhancing uh, it was some cow had been given cycling enhancing drugs yeah. then he had eaten a steak from the cow but De- it's devastating still, so at the moment if you're trying to compete in this course there's just no fucking way well, that's what unless I mean, exactly. you're dope so yeah. why don't they just embrace it <laughs> why not though well, you see, I think they push the human drugs body are illegal to, to, but, but I guess in some some of the drugs you mentioned are not illegal and why not just turn it into a big fucking science experiment to see how fast how fast these guys body can, just can move fuck themselves because otherwise it's not actually a, a fair competition I mean it's not it's not a competition at all well it's not exactly that's what I mean by yeah. like you, they had a choice of either doping or just not cycling pretty yeah. much like it's so annoying for anyone who wanted to have a fair race um, which seemingly was less and less people as the years were going on. There is an Italian guy who, and I feel like this is kind of a heroic kind of thing, not that there's any shame in erectile dysfunction, <laughs> but he did say when he tested positive for doping, he blamed his treatment for erectile dysfunction. That's how badly they don't want to be caught doping. They're willing to give up but any private information. Imagine that, Sims. Imagine you're... I don't but they know, are how... also dying. I mean, that is yeah. the thing. These guys are then dying when they retire and Look stuff like that. Look at the state like of that. that guy. That guy's fucked. Apparently, his mother-in-law very sweetly put a bit of EPO in a drink for him. <laughs> um, this is my all-time fave, though, right? Because obviously the blood transfusion thing is it's kind of a more recent method of doping and they take a blood test and they analyze the blood test to see if there is two types of blood in your system like they can differentiate and see yeah, that yeah. there's another blood type um, this is fucking madness yeah and so then there was a really famous case of this cyclist called Tyler Hamilton who had failed a test uh, for it's called homogeneous blood transfusion so 
it's just a, a test basically saying that he only contained one person's blood inside his body. So they discovered he had somebody else's blood in his veins as well. And he insisted, and this harks back to something you were creeping on a few weeks ago. Oh, John, yes, that he was... He was a chimera. A, yeah. And Oh, yeah, yeah. Two sets of DNA. That's right, yeah. He had absorbed had sort his of, twin. Yeah. And it was the twin... Who had been doping. Who was doping. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, No, but that was the reason. So he'd obviously had a blood transfusion. That was the question. He was a chimera, which could have been true. It could have been true, but I did read something that like he had something like a one in a million chance. Of course. And then like, what are the odds that that rare genetic uh, condition could be so convenient for getting out of this little uh, situation you'd gotten yourself into? Well, here's the question, so if you get... A, bl- a full blood transfusion of the, n- you know, the newly oxygenated blood that, that I'm presuming wasn't drugged, but yeah. just was fresh. Just fresh, I think, is the kind of key with the dr- transfusion. I feel like that's okay in my books, <laughs> as opposed to an enha- performance-enhancing drug. I feel like there's kind of a difference. Do you think? Um, or is it still just medical intervention? I think it's just intervention still. Uh. It's, and who are they kind of bloodletting for this particular type of blood? That I don't know, and I really, really want to know. Youths, I'd say, some kind of youth operation, kind of wannabe interns, cyclists. Interns, I'd say, interns. Sarah, looking at you, Sarah. Cough it off. Bathing in the blood. You're lucky you weren't working with us during my pregnancy when I had that blood craving. That's right. Gross. Yeah, that's awful. Threatening. (laughs) Well, I'm just saying it's it's lucky. You're not saying that I was deliberately going to started bloodletting so anyway uh, Lance we obviously know um, is just one of the biggest creeps of the tour of all Mm. time and I highly recommend anyone who just wants a little trip down memory lane uh, to tune into Oprah's amazing uh, interview interview he's an insufferable dickhead (laughs) and the interview above all else proves that he's just a dickhead I loved I came upon it on YouTube and it was Lance Armstrong on Oprah part one just the 65 minutes long is the first part. Oh, jeez. I mean, it is a talk. feature length <laughs> interview. Bear, no, we literally put out hours of poorly researched stories yeah. every week. <laughs> I think I heard about Thanks something. Thanks for coming. <laughs> Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe to our new YouTube channel, which I haven't even once looked at the YouTube audience. I'm sorry, YouTube audience of one. <laughs> um, but it's so worth watching Oprah does like a whole opening 10 minutes where she only allows him to answer yes or no to questions and then she just makes this face at him the whole time disapproving oh, scowl disappointed Oprah disappointed Oprah face I mean so are, you, are you gonna play us something I'd love to hear it's just his little voice a um, I do have a good little snippet actually it's such a anxiety kind of inducing thing to watch that like I don't know who's in the mood to sort of lean into horrible anx- anxious feelings on the scale Not of right Prince now. Andrew interview oh and l- where does it fall oh no it's still probably like more recreational okay yeah it's Prince Andrew no. bafflingly strange okay. we must cover that let's have a little this is good because it includes a great quote from Lance's comeback era when he had um, uh, obviously he had triumphed over cancer to return and win the tour again Shane do you feel the music's amazing for the whole interview. So, obviously, I've just um, brought us into a little ad break. 
Oprah and Lance Armstrong. In 2005, after a grueling three-week, 2,000-mile mountainous ride in the Tour de France, Lance Armstrong rolled through the streets of Paris in triumph. He had achieved the unimaginable, a record-setting seventh consecutive win of the world's toughest race. This is the clip that I cannot... I, can't, I just can't reconcile what you were thinking when you did this. Play the, uh, the winning clip. Uh, and finally, the last thing I'll say for the people that don't believe in cycling, the, the, the cynics and the skeptics, I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry you can't dream big, and I'm sorry you don't believe in miracles. <laughs> this is one hell of a race. This is a great sporting event, and you should stand around and believe. You should believe in these athletes, and you should believe in these people. And uh, I'm a fan of the Tour de France for as long as I live, and there are no secrets. This is a hard sporting event, and hard work wins it. So, um, vive la tour. Oh, God. Vive la tour. There's, There's a two lads though. standing beside him looking at him going, you fucking How idiot. are you doing this? But the thing about I'm this. I'm sorry for you if you, you don't believe in miracles. But they're obviously physically, it's not like they're cheating they're you know, high. from the couch to the Tour de France via this blood transfusion. They're obviously hugely... They're in peak physical condition. Yes. I mean, it's not like they are... Athlete. I mean, they are cheating, but yeah. they are but getting... But they are also, without the, the copious amounts of drugs, quite talented. Sure. They're, yeah. they're like 90% of the way there. You yeah. know, I guess I know. is what I'm saying. I do think, though, I wonder if it would just become... Is the pressure to kind of keep it like this amazing spectacle of a race and stuff like that... Because like all of the kind they of probably high just want to make it really good crack. Yeah, <laughs> and it's that's boring on a bike for twenty three days. And so sure, and then from the brands who sponsor, from their perspective, it's loads of press and speculation about the drug. I mean, it's not going to hurt the sponsors in any way. So they're they're like, ah, oh, Lance, like terrible with the, the drug. Oh no, they keep up. trying to clean up their act though. Who do? The, oh, the, the, Lance, the Tour de France the tour. and the kind of like anti doping bodies are just nonstop. Please stop. stop. Just stop it, guys. Um, another a great watch on this subject uh, is the program, which was the movie they made about it with Ben Foster playing Lance no. Armstrong. The program it's oh, called. The program. It's called The Program because oh. the program refers to the program of doping. That was so like, you know, they had it all worked out. Fantastic. Um, there is a bit of a random creep. Um, probably I that's do not just random. love a good that's scandal that's fascinating yeah. Yeah. and I like a science ele- element of this yeah but I feel I don't know I just again I feel like those are horrible people no crack they are fucking horrible people I think yeah yes. so it's like it's like a sea of narcissists yeah would you accept that oh hell yeah traveling oh, yeah. at speed up a mountain and dancing then, on the pedals though it's something to see it's I beautiful guess. but also physically they sort of freakish looking as well so it is mm. kind of a like they, absolutely emaciated upper half kind of you know oversized bottom half like yeah, sort of yeah, Kim Kardashian um, mm. levels of distortedness flying up and down a mountain <laughs> on the smallest lightest bike you've ever seen most costly also. Again, Very expensive considering they're so light. So light. Just In fact, I made a massive mistake there recently. I'm also a cyclist and I had my eye on a very expensive when, nice sorry, bike. When we should say cyclists, we don't, we're all casual. I mean, it's A to B. Not a, in oh, terms yeah, of... Yeah. Yeah. I've done some yeah. of the calls of the tour, though. I know. You're, you are... Yes. You're I once cycled from Bray to Greystone. Excellent. <laughs> but the... the uh, 
I bought at the start of lockdown and bought myself a new bike. Uh, that new bike is currently on Dundee available if anybody's interested in Aww, a that is a sad touring. story. It's it's a, it's a a lightweight bike. I I didn't get the bike that I wanted to get what, and then what I happened? made a mistake. I bought a bike that had some differences between it, namely those skinny, skinny wheels that just terrify me. I just, I can't step too far. Them. Yeah. And I, um, I just rushed into it. Doesn't fit me well. It's up there. I'm willing to do a good deal for someone. <laughs> just reach out if anybody is interested in it. a bike. The creeping and dealing portion of the show. Creeping and dealing. I have an old it's mattress. It's a fine bike. It's a fine bike. It's Only a lovely semi-soiled. bike. semi-soiled. I also then got my other bike back because you know at the start of lockdown I put my bike in to be repaired and then they kept it the oh, same sure, way yeah. with, with with my cameras everything I think like, that week was maintenance for me what a great life admin week where I dropped things in to be repaired and they were in for three months yes <laughs> terrifying it was awful. my camera you. my bike everything that's COVID gone. yeah uh, that was a, that was a solid creep. Thank you, Sophie. You're I'm sure. Welcome. Do you know? I feel like there's probably loads more there in that is as well. So much. There's more. the Netflix. Well, I don't think it's about the Tour de France, but that Netflix documentary Icarus is about doping and cyclists. Yes, I remember that. And then it unveils this whole like Russian scandal where Putin's in on it. It just that that <laughs> film spirals. Ooh, that sounds fascinating. Oh, it's brilliant. It's Olympics connected. Yeah, isn't it? it starts as a guy who's training for a race and wants to just document his training process then learns more about the doping, then unearths this Russian doping scandal. It just goes like from naught to 20, like real fucking quickly in that doc. Uh, there is another brilliant, uh, Alex Gibney made a documentary as well about Lance Armstrong particularly. And that is fascinating because there's loads of uh, like just, it's a Lance preparing for his comeback. And it's so fun to watch knowing everything that's about to come. It's satisfying, guys. Okay. Satisfying. Brilliant. And then the other thing that I absolutely love is this book called French Revolutions. Um, that is like a bit more at our speed. It's a really fun history of the Tour de France. And it's also like a civilian guy basically being like, I'm going to cycle the route. So uh, it's like if Bill Bryson got on a bike. It's really fun. So that's, uh, that's a nice book. I have a small recommendation. I recommend Googling Dermot Gavin. Uh, is that the that's the garden man Dermot Gavin Dermot Gavin Dermot and Jerry Hall and then what will come up is this humongous bonkers landscape design that Dermot Gavin did in somebody's house Jerry Jerry Hall's no so for the princely fee of 80,000 euro Dermot Gavin built a rolling kind of green hill sculpture type thing out of grass. Oh, look, he did. For the reclining nude that, I mean, sorry, in the in the style of Jerry Hall's face and body. And it's the most insane thing anyone's ever paid for. Now, I'm having trouble finding the reclining nude. Here she is. Oh, you might be, a, scroll back up again. You could miss it. She's lying. There it is. I think it's, there it is, second down on the left. But that's no nude there, though. That's yeah, it just... is. Those mounds. Oh, there's yeah. her hair. Wait, hold on. There's her see. tits. Oh. Let me see. There's her hip. So it is. I mean, imagine just <laughs> right. Pitch. So it turns out, dear McGavin, big fan of Jerry Hall. Uh, the garden, the garden, the person who owned the garden, the Gainers, they had a uh, a blank half acre of grass at Wellwood's house in County Carlo. It was flat, faced the main road. And their brief was for Dermot to come up with something raised and landscaped to make their property more private, but also to provide somewhere to have a barbecue. I feel You're having like a barbecue on a nip. I f- it's interesting. It's an interesting take on the brief. 
Um, Very <laughs> brief. That was the brief. Yeah, no briefs. Um, so Dermot planned a small table area and then a giant Jerry Hall reclining in the landscape. Uh, he said, what we are lacking in Pat and Mary's garden is magic. I want to create a statement bringing soul to this location using the simplest of material. I mean, that is fucking madness. Absolutely brilliant. Is that not madness? madness? Yes. And then, but it doesn't sound like they had any input. Dermot has been a long time fan of Jerry I mean, Hall. From, from, from. <laughs> yes. And he wants to express that in this from stranger's house. From, from human height. Can't, stuck like a load of mountains. Can you tell what it is yet? <laughs> so it's go just. Helicopter. Yeah. Bring back the helicopters. I can imagine Jermot up in a drone. Jermot. Rubbing one off to his landscaped Jerry Hall below. Because I can. No, no. Sorry, coming off. Sorry. <laughs> coming off to Jerry Hall. Coming off on the window of a He'll helicopter. He'll be coming off the mountain, right? <laughs> what are you going to tell us today, um, I am going to tell us about people who become attracted to serial killers. Thanks to uh, intern Sarah. I have another story this week, which is enjoyable for all of us because I get to read it for the first time too. Really it is true. <laughs> yeah, Sarah came Flag. forward with this and we're not judging Sarah, but she wanted to specifically research people who become attracted to serial killers. Very oh, interesting very because there's loads territory. of them. Loads of them. Mm. Like literally loads. Oh, all of them all have All of them have somebody. Met sometimes a few. So I think of my lonely, lonely adolescence. But did you ever reach out and marry a serial killer? <laughs> they wouldn't have had Bonkers. me. Sophie, you don't have to disclose that. <laughs> is it a fetish? I mean, is no, it? No, it's a thing. It's a, it's a, it's known as the Bonnie and Clyde effect, or I think this is hybristophilia. So it's a sexual attraction to someone who's committed some sort of outrageous and extraordinary crime says Jeffrey Ian Ross, a PhD criminologist and professor at the University of Baltimore. So mass murderers, sexual murderers and cult leaders. My yeah. fave. Katie Hopkins has a husband. There we go. <laughs> they always do, right? Is that the guy we saw her fucking in the field with? <gasps> I'm going to fuck with you a in a different field. Couple. That was Wasn't that? Oh, I think that's was him. It? I think that he oh, they ended up marrying. Right. Why do you think that was Boris Johnson? Oh, there's probably another one of Boris Johnson. Right, so the reasons people become attracted to serial killers or these mad crimes is because they believe they can change the man um, who's cruel and powerful. They see the little child, the little boy who was once inside the serial killer and believe that there's hope that and they are seek out to nurture sexual. them. Yeah, and the little boy that's too. once been inside all of us. You know, people who would like, oh, always making allowances for bad behavior and being like, oh, we obviously had a tough childhood or whatever. It's like, you can have a tough childhood. doesn't mean you get to be an asshole nope. as an adult. Not allowed. Um, so a couple of people obviously become attracted in factory because they just kind of want the media spotlight or a book deal or a movie deal. Um, and some of them love the fact that they're in prison and will only spend their time thinking about them. That's needy. Very That's needy. interesting. That's an interesting thing I hadn't thought of. I kind of get the whole power, you know, like attraction to the like I don't get it but I understand why somebody could be attracted to the power and the sort of darkness but I hadn't thought of the flip side of oh they yeah, can't cheat no, on me in there yeah no well. laundry no cooking <laughs> no, no accountability no ability to cheat mm. but they can emotionally cheat and write to other people um can't finger a pen pal that's true so you can finger your cellmate like I mean, there's a lot of that prison husband, prison wife thing, isn't there? Hmm. 
I mean, it's to generalize. <laughs> to like, just massively sweeping statement, generalize. Everyone goes gay in prison. Everyone. Any port in a storm. Yeah. Um, I suppose, though, like, anyway, it's pointless to try and, like, break down the logic of these people. I mean, you know. Oh, totally. Like. Totally. I'm just reading crit- from it. Critiquing the list is a little pointless, given what they, the decision that they've taken. Uh, so one search person is the sweet pea girl. So the sweet pea girl was became infatuated with Theodore Durant, who was in born in 1871. He was convicted of two counts of murder via strangulation and rape. During his trial, a mysterious young lady showed up every day at the court hearing with a bouquet of sweet peas for him. What the hell? What do you mean now? They're like That's little a flower. flower. Oh, I see. Like a little bush. Flowers. Yeah, well, yeah. Looks like a bush, I think. This was the first recorded case. The first recorded case of someone becoming obsessed with serial kills in a romantic sense. What um, year was it? 1890. Ah. Do you want to come in and do the story? (laughs) (laughs) She was later revealed to be Rosalind Bowers, a married woman who had not known Durant until she'd heard about his case. And just become obsessed. Just saw the case, heard about it, went to the court with her flowers in an attempt to woo him. Do we know what Durant did? Yeah. Yeah. Strangled and raped people. Sorry, Sorry, no, I'm not saying it in that way. Did you know before the story? No, I just just read it there. I'm so sorry. But um, it's just like, especially of all the crimes. My head's... Do you know what I mean? Like such a heinous To become infatuated with someone who has, whose crime is violence against women, I feel is really, really bizarre. So bizarre. Like I, you know, there's lots of things say on the kind of pro list with the kind of being say cannibalism, away. or you know, on term, terms of it the, always come back to cannibalism in terms of the you. crimes. Well, like, is this your? Are you trying to tell us now? And the signs have been there. I feel that you <laughs> really want to try it out. But like you've had the option to eat all of your placentas and you haven't eaten one. <laughs> no, I just same. mean like has it got a face? <laughs> cannibals like. <laughs> Do you know, they're handy with a knife. They're domesticated to a degree. Yeah. That's just what, that's all I'm saying is why would you go for the rapist and the murderer? Over the cannibal. Yeah. But I mean, there's also other like white collar crimes like fraud. Oh, like, yeah. Like I think that's fraud is sexy. a good one because, but I think the fraud, we, you know, sure they're not going to do the same crime when they come out of prison, but they've got the capacity to earn a lot of money very quickly. Yeah, mm. with I a get little, you. With a little nixer. But it's like having an exotic pet, a yeah. dangerous animal in a cage. Exactly. That you're like, oh, look at that. Look what I got over here. Don't get too close. And that's the equivalent. Except that animal has raped and strangled people intentionally. So it's a dolphin. Um, so in the 1970s and the 80s, American news channels became obsessed with serial killers, turning every case into a media frenzy. So this brought swarms of young women becoming infatuated with the killers, writing letters, visiting them and even sending them money. So like Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. In prison was sent $12,000 by his fans. And your one married him while he was in prison. So the most famous woman to marry a convicted serial killer was Carol Ann Boone, who married Ted Bundy. Oh, that's right. They went on to have a little girl together. Yes, but they had she had known him before. And she was. The f- they worked together, isn't it? She was the only character witness in court, um, and it was when she was famously in court that he proposed to her. That's right. And they went on to. And wed they got married on the spot. On the spot, perfect. Because, because the, the judge, judge were can there. do that. I don't think he consented in it, but it was the most awful. It's all video. It's, it's all if you videos. declare it in front of a judge, 
it's done deal. Isn't that it? You have to make a statement, a specific statement. So if you're, what, like I, I, you could just stray marry. in front of a judge who's queuing for coffee. And yeah, but you obviously marry the other, oat milk. The other person has to say it also, obviously. You couldn't <laughs> just run up and be like, we're married. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Imagine lining that up perfectly. Like, um, <laughs> So Carol fell pregnant with Bundy's child as well. Even though conjugal Here's visits were not permitted. Well, that's what I'm Please asking. don't ask me questions to straight okay, off fine, this, this thing because well, I have not got a lot here to work on. Okay, no of. This is not verified, but in um, in the movie they just banged up against a yeah a vending I machine. I don't think that happened. But it must have. They, they legitimately had a child. Yeah. No, but the prison guards. He I could have given loved her sperm. Bundy. He he gave her sperm. Maybe, Definitely. but they also loved Bundy. They, 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 they thought he was so charming. The success rate, though, of like you know turkey, turkey basting sperm. sperm. Well, I it's bet you about fifteen percent. He dipped into his own at the moment. his own mouth and kept it at body temperature. Kissed her. I thought you said body temperature, and I was like, "That's cute." <laughs> body temperature is cute. Oh, the body. And then I bet you that's how he passed his sperm to her, like kind of a kiss. Yeah, snowballed her. <laughs> snowballed it up to oh, and then she went to the jacks, stuffed it up her. Oh, sorry, I was picturing a mouth to vagina, vagina, and a kind of a like a sure. If uh, he like was hacking, like a like, like like launching it off his tongue. I'm but trying if, not to do sure, it in your face. It'd be easier. It'd be easier to put his pe- penis into her vagina. Yeah, if he was if down he was there down anyway. There anyway. You never know. Whatever you're you never to. know. Maybe he was a slow finisher. Did he? And he just knew that I they wouldn't have forty minutes. A slow finisher. Anyway, maybe he just wanted to hold his own ejaculate in his mouth. That's what who it was. doesn't. I think that's fucking. Um, mate, that's definitely that's proper Bundy no. energy. We've all eaten our own. Ted Bundy. Let Ted Bundy would really enjoy that. Another that. person He's who got engaged eater. in prison is our old boy Charles Manson. Oh yeah. In 2014, actually. He had a harem. I wouldn't say he was waiting long. No, I'd say he had, he had a load of girls. He got married late. Huh. So in 2014, he proposed to Elaine Starr Burton. They met through their letter correspondence. And later she visited him when she was 17. And they got engaged when she was 26 and he was 83. So I think they did. Oh, my God. They were courting God. for a long time. Oh, but my Manson God. But Manson died soon after their engagement. What did she inherit? She attempted to secure the legal ownership of Manson's corpse to display in a museum, but she never discouraged the rights. Which I feel is something you would do, Jen. <laughs> I think I would, depending on what was in it for me. If you didn't secure that corpse to display I here, I would rage. excommunicate you. Do you, you think that the inevitable ne- like growth of this podcast results in the Creep Dive Museum? <gasps> that would be amazing. Do you know, I bet you he'd give us her dildo. Shauna from Sex Shopper, just for our own. The oldest dildo. The oldest dildo in Ireland. We could pass it around to all our patrons and they could each like insert it and then we could just, we could just have this, the creepiest dildo there ever was. I can't believe you said that, That is just very unlike you. I'm disgusted. I don't know about you working blue. I haven't had any breakfast and we've gone past lunchtime. (laughs) Revolted now. Sorry. I don't know what to say. Right, okay. So. I can't even look at her. The most, the most fans, so loads of, loads of serial killers now have devoted fan bases. They are known on the internet. And it's like, as if we needed another reason to turn off the internet. The true crime community, TCC. Oh, it's not very catchy. Not really. They should be like, they're a bit subtle. Let's see, something like 
pussy catchers of the bad men. <laughs> or uh, like uh, fucking a strangler. A strangler. <laughs> strangler. Or Boning Bundy. And boning. Like. Yeah, that's better. Like you start I'm with something and you go with the most obvious and trail out. It's like you really, you really hope to fuck that it's going to come to you as you say Never it. Never does. Never. <laughs> No, still, <laughs> still got nothing. I'd be like creepophiliacs. They could be creepophiliacs. Yeah. I don't want to associate creeps with these people. Okay. Although I'm sure there's a crossover. We are cre- creeps. Yeah, but I'm not infatuated with serial killers in the way that I want to sex them. <laughs> Everything you're saying today is freaking me out. <laughs> you are unwell. I have been in this room for like five hours. <laughs> right. So the most famous subculture in the true crime community are the Columbine Massacre stands. No. Right? No. Calling themselves Columbiners. Columbiners. God. Columbiners. Again, Columboners. This it was staring them gross. in the face. I can't deal with these. Yeah, I can't deal with a bad so pun. The c- Did you just Columbine. take my diet It's your birthday. You have it. I... Oh, sorry, I did. <laughs> sorry. It's okay. But I opened it so flamboyantly. <laughs> you did. Yeah, I was like, she's remember. just taking I a sip. I think I was counting stitches. Um, Column boners. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, the Columbine shootings, April 20th, 1999, Eric Harris and Dylan Cleavold opened fire in their high school, killing 12 students and one teacher before turning their guns on themselves. They quickly gained worldwide attention. But it started, the, the shooting developed a cult following, starting on Tumblr. This fan base still exists to this day. They saw them as tortured souls. Um, and then they're, okay, they're yeah, identifying of, with the of, sort of lone, loner, kind of bad yeah, time in school crew. They were treated badly, they were bullied. Which but is it has such a myth. Like, as in, that is a kind of myth propagated by the media somewhat. Oh, totally. Um, Like, your man Dylan was, like, apparently harassed, like, the quote-unquote nerds. Like, they weren't the nerds. No. Which that totally did kind of catch on. And it's dangerous because it has spawned uh, loads of copycat shootings, particularly one, uh, Andrew Blaze, who was a member of these kind of followed the, the thing or whatever and just before so he sorry Andrew Blaze open fired in his co-workers during a night shift at a supermarket he worked in and just before the murders he uploaded a manifesto to YouTube that included an animated Columbine tribute as well as linking audio files for him talking about his love for Harris and Klebold. Um so yeah he talked about how he was inspired to do this by the forums full of fellow enthusiasts Ah, uh, well, there you go. Turn off the internet. I mean, that's pretty bad. Awful. But there's n- there's nothing. I mean, if you want to find bad shit, there's absolutely no problem at all in finding it. You will always find, you know, that way the darkness if oh, you're looking so, for it. You know, it's so easy. So for a, for a story that I'm writing, working on for Rogue, actually, not really a Rogue story. It just it spiraled in a way that I couldn't even control yesterday, and it resulted in me being on the dark net trying to buy data. And like I honestly spent having ne- I know a little bit about the dark net from previous stories we've done, but within an hour of reading about it, I was on a, a market where I could purchase porn, guns, drugs very cheaply, data, everything. It was so fucking easy. Hmm. There you go. There you go. If anybody needs some drugs, 
It's terrifying. Don't come near me. I didn't buy them. <laughs> it's terrifying. It is terrifying. Yeah. Mm. It's totally uncontrollable uh, as well. But it, there has to be a sense of personal responsibility, you know. Oh, yeah. It, like, like I was even scrolling through. I was like, oh, my God, the police are going to come get me. But they're not. I didn't purchase anything. Illegal. But for this guy who went after having read those things in the forums and then blaming it. I mean, <laughs> well, I don't think he stupid. blamed it in the forums. I think that like if you were... If you were in any way inclined to do something as horrific as that and you found support, uh, that's going to be the thing that maybe pushes you I over guess, the edge. Maybe slightly. he's sort of obviously a vulnerable person who was yeah. open to that and was totally egged on by I'm gonna just 14 year olds online because yeah. that's who they are. Always. Yeah. I watched a really sad TED talk. If anyone wants to just be really sad. Oh, go on. With, um, Cle- it's Klebold's mother. Oh, that's right. I watched yeah. that, yeah. So that's very, yeah, sad. Her life is in ruins. She is a, she's some woman. Mm. So, you know. See, that's what children can. And on that note... Thank you all. Thank you all our patrons. We love you so much. Is that very the end much. of that? I want to do that as just a regular corner of the creep every week. Just people who become infatuated. Yeah, we'd never stories. run out. Yeah. No, we would. What That's about true. Sandra London? Did you come across her again? Who's Sarah, she? did you come across her? <laughs> do you remember the one who married the Gainesville Ripper? Oh, God. They're all just fucking melts as well. Can I just say? Yeah. You know, you'd meet one of these people. You'd just be like, oh. Jesus, how do I have a shower after meeting you? Yeah. And you walk off being like, can't believe people like that exist. And it's those people who are then marrying lunatics in prison. Yeah. It should be illegal to marry. You shouldn't be able to get fucking married. You shouldn't really. You really shouldn't. No, you That's shouldn't true. be able to and get married. And especially not procreate. That's fucking madness. Yeah. Well, I mean, I definitely don't think that's sanctioned in any way. Actually, like, the we consider, we, we consider the crime, like, consider considered the rights they're taking right, away from right. people in prison. Like that to the level where it's problematic and the fact that like certain inmates can still go ahead and get married and in elsewhere, you know, up until kind of the 2013 or something, they were still forcibly sterilizing female prisoners in California because they didn't want to pay for their really health care. <gasps> There's a documentary coming out about it called um, it's at the Human Rights Film Festival at the moment called uh the something so men are getting conjugal visits and women are being forcefully sterilized up until very recently yeah and i Yikes. think there was talk of it um talk of it still occurring in some places um terrifying the and name bad. Of that documentary because i think it's going to be a very interesting one i don't know why i've come out of here even more sick to my stomach than usual it's the heat i'm telling it's probably you probably the heat it's been sort of dangerously hot <laughs> in here you don't have any holiday face today I oh that would have gosh. finished us off now and the presence of holiday paste in this heady environment would have been <laughs> just a step too far. Sorry, it's uh, Erica Cohen as new documentary Belly of the Beast Ooh. is about uh, forcibly sterilizing female patients. Jesus. Great. US Thanks for that. Uh, that was kind of dark. That was dark. Um, You're welcome. See you next week. Oh, I think we're scheduled if we're doing our Zooms every four weeks. Oh, yeah. Our next one will be I put it in my calendar three weeks from yesterday, which would make it Thursday the no, wait, no. I didn't, in fact, put it in my calendar. Oh, I did. No, I didn't. Never mind. I'll get back to you on that. Three weeks from whatever day you're um, listening. Sorry, I just want to give a special shout out to an absolute troll who um, last night when we posted the hive, 
replied to it. The 17th of July will be our Zoom. Uh, Replied to it saying, I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Thanks for a change of heart. Tonight's Zoom was the best ever. I know there was only eight of us, but it was so good. And everyone was like, what? What? What the fuck? Sonia, what are you talking about? Where was it? Where was the link? Ultimate trolling. Absolutely. She obviously just went ahead and did her own one. There was no Zoom. Anyway, glorious. Where are we at? Is that our episode? That's our episode. Wait, we episode. have to take I want a break to tease and have the hive before we completely close oh, this right, off. Do, yeah. I have a dark. This surrounding fits perfectly for my hive fucking t- story that it's I got so deep into. Melting deep dive death of cave. The fucking mad world of cave divers. Oh, cool! It's fucking crazy. And uh, come on in to the hive. Later. This comes out on Tuesday. See you in two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. We come to you from the new Creep Hive. Like and subscribe. Turn on your Turn notifications. notifications. Ring the youth bell. in the room is telling us what to say. <laughs> if you guys are watching on YouTube, join our Patreon page. But also go check out Sam Johnson. He is just a delight. His page is just Why are, Who's what? he now? Stop doing that. Oh my God. No separate okay. plug. If no you're separate. not listening, if you're listening to this on our regular feed on the podcast, please go over to YouTube and watch it there because that's very public numbers wise and I'm really shitting a brick. I'm oh, fucking the 12 shitting a brick. watches are going to be so sad. Yeah, yeah. Should so we turn off the comments? Don't can you do, I don't think we can turn off the comments and the views, but turn like, on the comments. If you're you one know the disappointment when you scroll down and there's no comments. Why would you ever the deny the people? The they need to rip it out of us. You Please be nice. All right. All right, let's thank go. you for listening. Bye. Bye.